This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello and welcome to the Publicly Challenged Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Oswald, and I hope you join me on my quest for knowledge to become a better public land hunter, angler, and forager. Stick with us and who knows, maybe we will learn something together. All right, so I'm sitting here and I am talking to my good buddy, Johnny Mack. And uh, Johnny, what's going on, man? How you been? Living, brother. Living. Uh, Deciding that I'm never going to give up on myself or my family or my dreams. And that was uh, a punch in the face and a punch in the gut that I had to like challenge myself on. <laughs> Not that giving up is ever an option, but it was like, dude, it's, it's easy to talk the talk. Walking the walk is a whole nother story. It's a whole nother need, story. I think you need to go into that a little more. What do you, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, on on my podcast, I, you know, I preach like life happens for you, not to you. You know, you can't outgive good. Um, you know, all, all this stuff. And I feel like the weight of the world has been beaten down on my family and myself lately to the point where, you know, I don't even know what I'm going to do for a job next year. We're moving without even knowing what I'm doing. And it's like, okay, Life is happening for us. It's not happening to us. We're not the result of what's going on in this world. And I say that. And then fear sets in. And it's gripping. And it's suffocating. And it's choking. And life sucks. And it is uncomfortable. And you feel like you're never going to get out of the, the dark hole that you're in. And then it's like, well... Am I going to give up on myself? I've, I've, you know, because, you know, like being on an airline, you know, they always say, okay, if the oxygen masks fall from up above, you got to put it on yourself first before you can put it on others. 
So I'm not going to let my family fail. And so if I'm going to not going to let my family fail, I have to make sure I don't fail. I got to take care of myself. And yesterday I was on a treadmill last night uh, and I was like, I need to get some physical exercise because that always makes me feel better as a human being. And I got to the 25 minute mark of my run and I was at a, an eight on the, on the treadmill and a four incline. And I'm a little fatter right now. I don't, I know <laughs> I don't that feel feeling. like I'm in my, <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like I'm in my ultra marathon uh, shape that I was. What is that? I guess almost two years ago now, you know, and, and here I am like, I got to 25 minutes and my chest started hurting and I knew I was going like at a faster pace. And I'm like, all I want to do is slow it down, just slow it down. And I was like, no, I'm not giving up on myself. I'm tougher than this. I'm better than this. I'm grittier than this. I'm more determined than this. And I don't know if you actually saw my, my, uh, my story on soulful hunter podcast page. I saw that a was sweaty, I, I saw a sweaty story of you, but I never, I didn't, yeah. I couldn't hear it. My kids were running around all over the place. It was a madhouse, but, but that, that was right after that I finished, I hit the, the four mile mark at 30 minutes and I then put it into the walk mode and I was like, okay, I'm going to just share this. And we have more to give. You have more inside you than you know. We just quit all the time. We give up. We settle. We're whatever you want to call it. And I'm tired of that. Comfortable. I'm, I don't want that for my life. And if I'm going to raise warriors, if I'm going to raise my three young boys to be warriors, then I have to lead myself in that that lifestyle and model it for them so you know it's a lot easier easier said than done but it's very rewarding when you do it it's like okay that extra five minutes on the treadmill that didn't seem like a lot you know but it was a turning point in my life last night and today is a new day and like we were talking before we recorded it's like i don't know what i'm gonna do i i'm gonna let the universe the universe is going to provide because if I believe that you can't outgive good, and if I'm constantly focusing on putting good out to this world, good into my family, good into my marriage, good into my community, whatever that is, it's like, okay, well, sometimes somebody's got to be wanting to invest back into me. And I feel like that was the biggest thing that I was like, when's my shot coming? when's my when is it going to come back when is it going to full circle to me and that's a that's a eeyore attitude uh, you know a down in the mud attitude and it's like okay i don't know if you you cuss on this podcast or whatever it's like stop being such a yeah i was like dude stop being such a vagina like get after (laughs) this man like and and the power of self-talk. I had a, a conversation yesterday, and I'm not meaning to monologue right here, but it's an interesting story. It all goes together because, and it's very applicable to today in, in today's society. And I, he, this guy, my, my buddy, Chad Youngquist, who, when I was a college student in, in college, like 18, 19 years old, and I needed a job, I ran into this guy, Chad Youngquist, in Safeway grocery store 
And I was like, are you Chad? He's like, yeah. I was like, can I get a job? <laughs> he hired me to in college for my job. Anyway, so I just reconnected with them and we were talking, I was sharing my, my personal story. And he's like, if we were walking down the street, opposite directions, like towards each other, and you were on a building side and I was on the street side and just out of nowhere, I just walked by you and pushed you into the building as hard as you, as hard as I could. He's like, what was your, what would be your response? And I was like, well, I'm an analytical type of person. So my first response would be, why did you do that? And then I, and, and I was like, and then I try to process and like make sense of you doing that. And he was like, well, maybe it's time for you to just start punching back. <laughs> and, and I was like, I was like, yeah, I want that fighter mentality. And I, it, it's a choice, right? It's like, because I always say I'm not a reactionary person i don't react like i like to be calculated but you also need to know your boundaries and what you're willing to put up with and i'm tired of putting up with garbage anymore yeah so whether it's politically um socially relationally it's like know your worth and i know my worth and i'm gonna go get it i don't know how i don't know yeah, I always say the how always takes care of itself. You got to know what you want. And I know what I want. And now I'm waiting for it to come as I continue to make progress, not, not sitting there. Don't in chair sit there and wait for it to come, Johnny Mac. Here's no. where I can jump in and finally actually be the philosophical guy on the other side of the podcast here. But like you always say, life happens to you and it happens for you. It does. Oh, I'm sorry. It doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. But what you need to understand is you can't sit there and let it just happen to you. You have to make it happen. Go for it. Yeah. Go out and yep. do something in the world and it'll come back to you. So I don't know if that made yeah. any sense or anything, but I think that's uh, the <laughs> lesson there. Once again, not as philosophical. I'm not like Confucius, but nonetheless, I think I think if you go out there and just start trying to make something happen, something will grow of it. Well, Master Yoda, right? Yeah. You don't try to make anything happen. You just do. You yeah. just do. Just do. Don't do think. Just do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so leading into whatever we're going to be talking here, like hopefully a listener hears that and is like, okay, it's a reality check. It's the world wants us fat, soft, sloppy, lazy, apathetic. <laughs> I want to be a warrior. I want that. I want, I want to be a, a warrior poet. I want my children to be warrior poets. I want them to, you know. Be the warrior in the garden. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I, what I want. And so it also takes me understanding what that means and 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 here we go welcome <laughs> welcome welcome to the <laughs> show folks <laughs> so um, yeah i don't know man <laughs> like that's well, it so go ahead go ahead no i was gonna say like you were saying you still got to take action so i am taking action like I'm giving a seminar this next week 
on Bear Hunting 101 at the Western Hunting and Conservation Expo in Salt Lake City. I'm not getting paid for it. I'm not, you know, it's costing me money out of my own pocket to go share what I know with people that I don't know. Yet, I, what I do know is that you can't outgive good and, and somehow, some way, something's going to come out of these things. And I am taking action to continually, um, to continually grow and build. Yet, I do need a return on my investment at some point. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Speaking of return of investment, my wife says, I cannot go to Salt Lake City. So I will not be out there. I had plans to try and go, but also you have to put your family first. And especially I've got uh, some work commitments coming up that is going to take away a lot of time from family here. So I'm going to have to choose my time wisely and spend more time with my family before these other obligations come up. So (laughs) I will not be out there. I will not get to see your presentation, which would be pretty cool and sit down and talk with some of my other friends out there and, and actually meet some of my other friends in person and all that good stuff. Probably not going to happen this year. Actually, I know it's not going to happen, but that being said, there's always next year. And uh, who knows, like you said, life, life happens for for you. you. (laughs) And when it happens for you, sometimes you end up with those meeting people in other places and doing other stuff anyway. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going out there and I am a little sad about that, but um, what else am I going to be missing out there? What what other kind of cool stuff? I'll tell you this. I don't, have you ever been to a hunting expo? Yeah. Well, you went to ATA. Yeah. Your very first time at ATA, and I've never been there. I would have actually been at ATA to collect a trophy last year if it would have been happening because I would have. I took third place in the Badlands Film Festival, which always is, happens at ATA. So that was a disappointment. It was virtual, but uh, I love conventions. Oh. I think, dude, the energy, the I'm a people person. And so I'll be like, oh, dude, I know you I, because, or I think I know you, I've seen you, I follow you or whatever. And there's just, you're not a consumer, or at least I'm not a consumer and end user. When I go to these expos, I'm a participant, kind of like hunting. Like you're not an observer of nature, you're a participant in nature. And when you're a participant, it makes it so much more fun. Watching birds is cool, but only so cool when you get to interact with the birds and interact with animals and, you know, you put hands on them, like that's transformative. <laughs> and so when I go to these hunt expos, I'm like, Oh yeah, let's go. And this, I'm in my element right here. You know, it's like the politician, not that's maybe a horrible term, like shaking hands and kissing babies. Like you get to, you do a you lot know, of interfacing. I will say though, for me, it was almost overwhelming the amount of stuff yeah. going on, the amount of interactions. Like I'm a person, I need more solitary time in the woods than I need social interaction. Like I could go probably no joke months without and be just fine. But, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, obviously I could sit down, I could have a conversation. I could talk to people as you and I have done for Lord knows how long before we even push the record button, 
but right. nonetheless, it was it felt almost overwhelming for real. Like just so much going on, so much interactions. I I just wanted to like collapse <laughs> in my hotel bed and then I couldn't sleep anyway, but that's a different story, but just just uh yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't know if I necessarily care for him. I just like I shouldn't say I don't care for him. I don't like the inter I like the interaction. I don't like the overwhelmingness of how many interactions are there all at once in two days or three days. It's insane. It's insane. Yeah, I'll, say, I'll say, man, I really dialed in my elevator pitch <laughs> very fast. Like, you know, because you, you want, I want to share my story. Everyone has a story. Everybody's story is important is powerful in its own right and when you share your story it's inspiring the vulnerability to be vulnerable with somebody and to share your experiences like i was afraid to be in the woods i do not like hunting alone by myself (laughs) i'm good with it now but i didn't like it and and i was when i think we talked about this when i was on your podcast last time but like I was afraid to go bear hunting, even though I wanted to go bear hunting. <laughs> I was like laying in my tent. I was like, man, I hope bears don't come in, into camp tonight. It's like, wait, no, it, that would be perfect because that's what I want. Tag very easily. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and so when you start to, when you have an opportunity to connect with people that, that are like-minded, that you're, you're in the same arena right the man in the arena it's it's you know it's not the critics who count it's 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 about the person who's actually in the arena you know whether you fail or you don't or you know marred with blood sweat and tears you know it's that you valiantly strived that for me being a podcast host and being someone who's created content and all that that's my arena and I'm like, you know, you may not know me. I may not have a huge following. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't by certain standards. But my story is powerful. And let me tell you about it. And what is your story while we're at it? Let, like, it's not just about me. I want that. That sounded very uh, conceited and, and self-driven. But like, that's why I'm there. I, I'm there to connect with other people. And my story is powerful for them because it brings perspective and perspective is one of the most powerful things we can ever have because it trumps opinion any, any single day. Absolutely. No, I think, uh, you know, and I don't know what it was like for you if you ever talked to people at work or anything like that about like what you're doing outside of work and your projects and things you're working on and stuff like that. But so many people are like, Oh, you're never going to do your, what are you talking about? you're going to be here forever, just like me or this and that, you know, just the negativity. And it's like, okay, man, if that's what you want to think, you don't know me. You don't know me like you think you do. I mean, what did you ever experience like that? Was it the kind of like the same, you know, people not understanding or doubting you or anything like that? Well, that, that's the, that's a very interesting question. And I'm going to have to unpack this a little bit because (laughs) this is, that is my story. My story is I was living a life that was not the life I wanted to live. I was supposed to be the head football coach in my local community. 
because my father was the head football coach and I was his legacy. And, you know, here comes another coach Mac and we're going to do this. And, you know, I was, I was my father's mini me, not on purpose, but like subconsciously, I somehow like, I, I taught at the exact same building he taught at that I grew up in as a student. I coached the same teams as him, I, all this stuff. And so my coworkers don't know Johnny Mack today. They think they know who I am because of what I was when I was in my 20s, early 20s, like fresh out of college. Yeah, I'm going to try teaching out because I don't know, why not? <laughs> and I think I like coaching. I think I like this. And I do love coaching, but when I found hunting and I pursued that, that's when my life was transformed. And I'm not the same person today as I was then. And so I still continue to stay in that career. And those coworkers look at me like I'm an absolute weirdo. They don't understand me. Like if, you know, oh, you have a podcast? Weird. Oh, you were on the cover of a magazine? Weird. I didn't know you write. You're just, the word just, right? You're just a PE teacher. You're, <laughs> you're just this. You're just that. It's like, no, man. I'm a powerful, inspiring, loving leader. And I'm a creator. And I get to create wherever I go. And I'm expanding outside of, I feel like the job is restraining, is restrictive. You know, you got to do this, you got to do that. Even though you can be creative in your job, it, it was restrictive. I need no boundaries. Yeah. I need to color outside the lines. And that's what hunting was for me. It's like, you know, that's the difference between backpacking and hunting. Backpacking is like, leave no trace, stay on the trail, don't trample off the trail, only observe, only, you know, look at it, admire from a distance. And hunting is like, okay, I got to get to that ridge. I have to go get, you got to get in it. You got to immerse yourself in it. And that is the transformative power that hunting provides. It gets you out of your comfort zone and allows you to really dig deep into who you are and expand on that. And I think in the modern day world of society, as we know it, everybody is like a bunch of drones like it's like the lego movie you're a father of young kids you know the lego movie like everything is awesome yeah. <laughs> thank thank the lord my kids haven't actually watched that movie but <laughs> okay well then you do not get the reference at all but <laughs> i do know it i do know it i i do know the reference yeah when you um, work as a team blah 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 but anyway. yeah yeah like yeah you have to fit in a certain way. You have to look a certain way. You have to think a certain way. You have to speak a certain way. And that's not me. Yep. And that's not society if they would embrace it. No, they want you and, to be just like them or else you're right. different. And that's scary to them because they want to be numb. They want to be comfortable within their role. And somebody challenging that and going outside of the box no longer fits that profile and it makes them uncomfortable. And right. being uncomfortable is not cool. So <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. anti that. 
I bucked that system as well. And I think that's why you and I vibe so well. We could sit here and talk forever because we both feel that way. And I don't let my job define who I am. A lot of people do. Oh, I'm a this or I'm a that. I'm not that. I want to I want to know everything that I can possibly learn. I want to evolve myself into something that when somebody sees me, they see a former shell of who I was and I'm enlightening everybody along the way because I'm sharing everything I'm learning and that's what I want to be. I want to be better than just my former self. Yeah. Totally. Uh, it, for me in my in my job and this is but you're an educator. Very interesting. <laughs> It's very interesting what you ask, what you ask, because this builds into it. I was raised a scared little boy. Like the, the, the person inside me is a traumatized, scared little boy that is afraid of, is afraid and afraid of repercussions because the household that I was raised in was unpredictable and was crazy. And if I didn't do, act, and be a certain way, I didn't know what I was going to get. And so I had this ingrained in me that if I don't act, be, or do a certain way in my job, then I'm going to have failure. I'm not, not going to succeed. And so for the longest time, this goes back to like the coworker thing is my coworkers only knew me as the person that wouldn't speak up. And that goes back to the story on the sidewalk, right? About, <laughs> you know, about fighting back is I have all these thoughts, these ideas, these values, these pertinent, powerful concepts that I'd never share because I was afraid. And so I set myself up in this position of, okay, this is how I am. And I've allowed other people to take power over me because of that. And so by the time I actually found my voice, I'm like, dude, I don't know if I really want to, I don't, not being afraid. I don't know if I want to put effort into fighting against what they think I am versus what I know I am. (laughs) And, and as weird as that sounds, I actually took a virtual teaching job this year and so I'm teaching from home instead of being in building. And one of the things that I said to myself was, no, you're, you're reinventing yourself to be authentic. Once again, you're not going to be the scared little boy and you're going to be the man that you're meant to be. And so now I just speak up in, my, you know, in meetings, telling my principal, I told my principal, I was like, this is before my observation meeting. I was like, dude, Public education is indoctrination. That's what I believe. I go, it is a bunch of crap and just like let my principal have it. You know what my principal said? I agree. (laughs) I was like, what? Yeah, but that's the worst part (laughs) is most of them go along with something because they don't want to speak out. They don't want to be uncomfortable or put themselves in that situation. And that's scary. That's a scary thought to think. That there's that many people out there that could potentially be with you, but they don't want to buck the system. They don't want to go against what they think is the norm, thus allowing things to become the norm. That's right. that's messed up. That is a scary place to be 
in time and in society. Like that is right. not where you want to be. That is <laughs> no. And so the interesting thing is once my principal realized who she was dealing with, all of a sudden she was like, Oh man. And we stopped even talking about like, like my evaluation of me doing my job. And she just started like sharing and talking and, Oh man, that's really interesting. And the weirdest thing is this, I maybe it's not applicable to the podcast, but <laughs> it is for me telling you because being a friend of mine, I want you to know the father that raised me that I said, train me to be a scared little boy. I don't speak to anymore. I don't have a relationship with my father. This principal was also his evaluator. And she knew his story of me not having a relationship with him anymore, but only from his perspective, which I didn't know this until I just straight told her how I feel about things. And then the guards got dropped and, it, and people became real. And she learned me for who I am, not some story that she heard. And I feel like that is, in a nutshell, hunting right? Let's bring it back to the hunting realm is everyone thinks they know what hunting is, or they think they know what, what self provider life is or all of that, but they don't unless they've gone through it and experienced it because, and that's where my platform of, of transformation through primal adventure comes in is because it is all about the experience, the perspective, because a story only gets you so far, but it only leads you to an opinion. The minute that people actually give hunting a chance, the minute that people actually put themselves out there and be vulnerable enough to have a discussion and not just like, oh, I don't like you, I'm blocking you or unfriending you or whatever. The minute that they lower their guard and say, okay, I'm humble enough to try this to see if I'm wrong they're going to, they're going to fall in love with it. And then they're going to be like, Oh, wow, this is actually really fascinating, really phenomenal. Okay. I'm going to vote for pro hunting bills now, or I'm going to speak up in pro hunting legislation or uh, different things. And that is how we, we turn the tide of the view in the hunting world. One person at a time. And that's why I believe that mentorship is conservation is because the minute that you provide somebody a perspective, an experience is the minute that you hook them and you hook their lineage, their generations to come. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think what's funny, though, is like you have so many people that are hesitant or not willing to just experience something. They don't want to try and experience something. And that to me, it doesn't make sense. I'm always willing to look at somebody else's perspective. I may not agree with it, even going into it. Sometimes my outcome and my mind may be changed. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. 
awesome. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. But at least I'm willing to hear it. I'm willing to sit down. Mm-hmm. And it seems like so many people these days don't even just, they don't even want to hear it. They don't even want to hear an argument. They don't want to hear a rebuttal. They don't want to hear anything that anybody has to say unless it's what they think is their own opinion, which really most of the time isn't even their own opinion. It's something they just just sat there to agree with, like we were Uh saying earlier. Yeah. And that's scary. Once again, that's a scary thing. And then I'm not trying to be the scared little boy here, but I'm just saying like, People need to wake up. They need to have that opportunity to where, like you said, you just you didn't care anymore. You wanted to put what you felt out there, whether or not somebody agreed with it anymore. That's mm-hmm. where I'm at most of the time in my life. That's what I'm doing anymore because it just, to me, it doesn't matter. If, if a relationship is going to get severed because somebody doesn't want to hear what I have to say, then what did I want to be around them in the first place for if they never truly acknowledged me? You know, Correct. that's just, it's, it's, yeah, that's crazy, man. You know, you know, the Bible talks about not casting your pearls to slime, right. And not calling people pigs, but the concept is like, know your worth, know your value. And yes, Jesus also sat down with sinners and, you know, spent time with them. And that's, we're not talking about like the sin we're talking about investing. If someone, if you know you're going to lose money in a monetary investment, do you invest money in it? No, because it doesn't make sense. Why would you put money into something you know you're not going to like even retain the exact same value, right? Wait a minute. You mean like podcasting? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> no, because there's different, there's different rewards from that and and uh, we can get into that because that's a very good concept. Um, but the point is like, yeah, if you just, if you have a dollar and you want to put it into something, but you know that if you just put the dollar into something, you're only going to get 75 cents back. Then why would you put a dollar into it? And the thing, and that's the whole concept, of like not casting your pearls to swine <laughs> is like, is don't, don't invest in something that isn't going to, provide return unless you are intentionally knowing what you want to do with that because it's all i want to love people and i do love people and it this world is about loving one another um but the world also revolves around energy and transaction and energy flows and all that and if you're going to surround yourself with negativity negative energy then it's going to suck it out of you just like hot flows to cold that is right? correct. It's a sci- scientific, scientific fact, fact. right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, science. <laughs> real science, so, though. That, but we don't need to. But real science, actual, I actual scientific theory that has been proven and now pretty much law, law of matters. But you know, I watched a video on YouTube, um, and it, dude, this was like revelational to me. <laughs> it was. It like it was this weird video, and that's a whole other topic. We're not even going to go there for right now. But the video stopped, and it said it was a black screen, and all of a sudden, in big bold letters, it said science. 
And then right away, it cut away and it went silence. And it went silence, 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 silence. And I was like, oh man. And people love nowadays, love to use, and I'm holding up air quotes, everybody, science to silence people. Yeah. And I was like, wow, powerful. That's like a Power. jab right there. A bunch of jabs and then they hook you. That's kind uh-huh. of, yeah, that's pretty good. So, <laughs> so we're not going to go into that video, but let's, let's, uh, let's take a pivot. Let's take a pivot from the negative people and the negative energy. And let's transition that into something positive here. Let's talk. Yeah. Let's talk about hunting. Let's talk. I kind of want to talk um, about your, your plans for the future of hunting. Is anything solidified at this point that you can like talk about or anything like that to where you're excited about it? Yeah, absolutely. I am coming off of a a year of hunting that was (laughs) one of the biggest disappointments and frustrations in my hunting career once I knew how to hunt. I went from the year prior filling all my tags, two bear tags, a deer tag, an elk tag, turkey tags, to I didn't notch a single tag this year. And with that being said, I wasn't always a shooter, though. So I always I hunt in groups because I love the mentorship aspect. A, a kill for the team is a kill for, you know, it's, it's you know, one for all and all for one concept. Although it doesn't fill so, the freezer, Jack. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I agree. Um, and so I tried spring turkey hunting for the very first time this last year. Very first time. Heard gobbles, saw turkeys, never had one come in. Very frustrating. I was like, this, <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> and it maybe is public land hunting. I don't know. Everyone says public land turkey hunting is like one of the hardest things ever. So were you in a blind? No. Were no. You, were, were you like trying to spot and stalk turkeys, if you will, or like ambush style? No. I mean, I've done that before. No, we were calling. I even brought uh, a guy volunteered who came on my podcast that was a pretty good turkey caller and was like, Hey, I'd love to call for you guys and have you have that experience. So we did two weekends of that, like six days of turkey hunting and never had one encounter. Um, we were surrounded by turkeys all over the place. Just couldn't hear, couldn't get on. And then uh, fall bear comes around and, and we had a couple shoot and misses on bears. I didn't actually shoot, but but being there and seeing them, um, elk season came around and I was holding a camera rather, rather than a bow. And we have a shot and a miss on a, on a bull elk. And then mule deer season came around and I wasn't holding the camera. And the only deer that we saw that was legal was questionably legal and and it's going to be interesting because i'm going to release this episode on on carbon tv here this this coming summer the difference between life and death is less than a half an inch and it's weird to like put that into perspective but i'm a meat hunter which a lot of you know most hunters are meat hunters but the concept is like knowing that i didn't have any meat in my 
freezer. I was in a meat crisis and you can't see my finger, all the listeners, but like that was the difference between what is a legal deer to shoot or not legal. So it's a three point minimum and it had a tiny fork that has to be an inch long. And I knew it was an inch long, but I wasn't willing to risk my hunting license and, and jail and time have it on film we, <laughs> and have it on film. And so like I spotted it ironically off a of road and as we parked, it's dumping rain. I got the spotter out. We're like, is that legal? No. Is it legal? Waiting for us to turn its head, all this stuff. Other people drove by and we'd flag down people and be like, can you look at this deer? Is this a shooter? Is this legal? Every single person we asked was like, that's a legal deer. And I was like, I can't, I just don't feel comfortable doing that. And so got a lot of footage of it. We got pictures. I get back into cell service range. I have a buddy that works for the Department of Fish and Wildlife here in the state of Washington. Send it to him. I go, is this a legal deer? And he's like, that's a legal deer. And, and I'm like, doggone it. And so that was a, miss, a, a, a close encounter once again. And that was just kind of how the season went. Always raining, always foggy, always smoky. Like every season I had a, a hunt canceled because of a, like a crazy snowstorm. It was just a wild year. And so, yeah, going what's in the future? Number one, I'm going to go spring bear hunting in Idaho. My very first time hunting out of state this year. The month of May, we're going to Idaho with initial ascent backpacks. And we're going to go chase spring bears, which is bear hunting is my jam. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then, and then we'll see what happens. I, who knows? I will, I know that I'll, I'll always pursue August bears in Washington. And after that, man, whatever the good Lord provides, I'm going to be happy to take (laughs) whatever I can. So Johnny, I got to say, hopefully, I don't think I would have let you down that many times. (laughs) I'm I'm the camera missing, (laughs) but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I've been known to wound something every now and then. Well, you want to hear, here's a sad part. Being, being every hunt that we do, we film for our show. Our camera guy after day one. I got to be careful how I say this. Got upset. He's like, I can't film in this. And went home. And if he wouldn't have gone home, I wouldn't have held a camera in my hand and we would have had two bows. Ah. And, and I, this sounds really arrogant, but it's, it's confidence. I don't miss. Like I, I, not that I don't miss because I've missed before, but like I don't miss. But I follow up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like I know this is this is going to happen, um, and it, I saw the arrow just fall short. And my hunting partner Tony, two shot Tony, um, it was between a seventy. He didn't have with these elk were just chill. They didn't know we were there. All of a sudden something spooked them and they started running. He didn't have a, a reed in his mouth to, to cow call and check them up. It was, it was a bull with two cows and a calf. And we're hunting in a three point or better unit. And so we, he didn't stop them. And he was like, they ran 20 yards right in front of him. 
But because it happened so fast, I was with the camera and I had a read in my mouth. So I call, cow call and I got him to stop and he was ranging and he ranged as they went by. By the time he ranged, they were at 50. And I, I believe they checked up at 70 yards from him. And a little piece of advice for elk hunters, if you archery elk hunt, if you're running a five pin, 30 to 70 setup is better than a 20 to 60 setup for elk hunting. If you're going to go deer hunting, then a 20 to 60 is what I recommend. But that 70 pin, he was, he decided, was like, is it 60? Is it 70? Is it 60? He chose a 60 and the arrow falls right between the legs. Mm. And, and we're just like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I switched to a single pin and I still have reservations about it, to be honest. I really do. Because I always think to myself, well, what if I don't have the opportunity to adjust that pin? Now, if I'm in a tree and I'm stationary and that deer is coming past me, I mean, <clears throat> I can range and know, hey, that deer is going to be anywhere between 15 and 25 yards. And I can just set my pin at like 23 and a half yards. And whether it be 20 or 30, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be pretty close, an inch higher, an inch low. And mm -hmm. that, that's, that's fair enough. But I've always contemplated that and thought in my head, like, what if... You know, that what if I have to on the fly adjust it real quick? What if it's a buck of a lifetime and I see him out there and he's walking and I can't get him to stop, but I know I can put one in there, snake one in there, but how do I adjust it and him not see me adjusting it or whatever? I've always had that right. in my head. And I don't know. I still have yeah. reservations about it. I almost want two bows set up, one one with another one and one with whatever. But at the same time, then what are you going to do? You can have both bows with you? <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's a great it's a great question because you know, you got that more that white tail mentality, right? The hardwoods and tree stand and, and all that for the Western hunter um, for the Western hunter. Did, can you, did I cut out right there? there you go. I got a phone You're call. Good. Sorry for the Western hunter. You know, you got it. Five pins can get very convoluted. Yeah. Like, you, you know, you forget what, what pin am I looking at? What pin, you know, especially if you get target panic and all that. But if you have for specifically for elk, a five pin, that's a 30 to 70 setup. I also know that the top of my bubble, because I shoot a spot hog site, the top of my bubble is 85. So I'm good inside 30 because I'm going to hold my 30 pin on, on an elk inside of that all the way out to 85 yards. I know my distances. And so I feel like, okay, well, anything I can, I can smoke anything at this distance, which actually happened on episode eight of soul seekers on carbon TV. I never arranged my elk that I shot at 70 yards. And if I didn't have a 70 pin, I would have missed, but I, I stepped out knowing that they were there, not knowing that where they were, and all of a sudden, I was like, oh, crap, it's a lot further away than I expected. And so knowing my distance, I, I just kind of put the 70 pin on it and stuck it right in the sweet spot. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> but if I only did a 20 to 60 or if I had an adjusting pin, I wouldn't have killed that elk. Yeah. So. And I've always, I mean, and not just from like the whitetail mentality, because, you know, I do like the Western stuff, but it's like so many guys use them. I mean, there's a lot of guys that use a single pin out West too, but I just don't know how you would adjust it for that, you know, that interaction like that. And that that's almost maybe 
maybe you set it up to where you've got a three pin that's got a slider or something. I don't know. I don't know. That's what, what a lot is. of people do. That that fifth pin will be the slider or a three pin slider yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So you always have at least something that's constant. I know a lot of people though, like even out west, that use a single pin. But they just, I mean, I guess you just adjust it as your 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 shot caller. If your hunting partner has, you know, a rangefinder, he's ranging it for you and doing it. I don't know. I don't know what they do. Yeah. I don't know. Some people are Chevy people. Some people are Ford. Some people are Dodge. I mean, <laughs> they all do the job. It's just a matter of how efficient and proficient you are with your weapon, with your tool. Yeah. So. Who knows? Maybe I'll just switch to a longbow and then I don't have to worry about any of that. <laughs> Dude, and then you'd be savage. <laughs> I'll just be it. I know. I've got, I'm, dude, I used to shoot the longbow all the time. I used to love that thing. But then I just didn't feel confident with it anymore. I really didn't. Like, I just knew I didn't put the time in and and I wounded one and and it messed with my head a little bit. And then it haunted me because I saw that deer the next year still limping around with a leg that she didn't use anymore. And that was it. I hung it up and I never really picked it up, never hunted with it again. But man, yeah, I, I have a story, not about a lot, not, not with a longbow, but my very first archery deer kill was on a doe that I gut shot. Mm. And I almost, quit i almost quit archery hunting i was like i'm done i if that's what i'm going to do to animals i don't i don't deserve to be to be using this weapon this tool um i was able to 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 find it and and put a kill shot in it like thank god that was like the redeeming factor of it is i did ended up taking that that animal but to see an animal get gut shot and then walk away and you can't really do anything about it. Cause I didn't want to, I was hunting private property at the time. And so I, I didn't want to spook it off of diff, the parcel into a place that I couldn't get access yeah. to. And so I had to, you know, I knew that I had an arrow in it and then I kind of had to just let it have its peace and fall and kind of watch it, see what it would do. Cause it got out of range in which I could shoot it right away. And dude, I've never felt worse in my stomach than, than that. I was like, I don't, I I don't, I'm not a creature of shame. So I'm not going to say I was ashamed. I did not feel good about myself. It's remorse. Yeah. It was total remorse. You made a decision to take its life and then you didn't take its life. And that was up to you. That was on you. Whether you knew that that humor, human error was going to happen or not, it did. Subconsciously, it affected you and it affected you in your present state. Which, like, I've had animals that I've actually lost. I've lost two animals. That is the worst feeling to me ever. It messed me up. I, and one of them wasn't that long ago. It was like two years ago. And my buddy's like, there's nothing we can do any further. We couldn't take a tracking dog. We couldn't do anything other than look for that animal and give it the justice that it deserved. But after we gave it that, he's like, look, man, you're not going to find that. Just, you need to go back out tomorrow, go hunting, finish, you know, finish out the season and hopefully finish it out strong, which I did. 
and I made sure that every other animal, I had to make sure that I made a good shot on it after that point. But it's tough. It's a hard thing to swallow, you know, because here you are, you think you're this, this apex predator, this killer, and then you do something like that. Now, chances are it might die or it might live. You don't know, depending on, on the shot. I have, and I'm not proud of it, but it's happened, gut shot an animal and then found it the next day without putting another shot in it. But mm-hmm. then again, you want to better yourself knowing that you did that and, and, yeah. and cause that pain to that animal. Because as hunters, we're not, I mean, maybe there's some psychopaths out there that are just these ruthless things that want to watch things bleed and die as miserable as possible. But that's not the nature of your average hunter. Your average hunter loves that animal, wants to be intimate with it, but ultimately takes its life to eat it. But at the same time, we love them. We love watching 20 deer in a field and just sit there and glass them all day. I break for deer. You know, yeah. it's not like I'm speeding up to, to kill deer. I break for deer. There you so, go, dude. You just came up with a bumper sticker for publicly challenged. I break for deer. So, you know, it's not like I'm trying to just kill all these animals. I'm killing them, but it's, it's, a, it's a conscious and, and uh, a conservation aspect mindset with, with going into it, knowing I'm going to get the end result of meat. But yeah. it's it's a tough thing sometimes when you do that. And, and yeah. I mean, if you don't grow from it or learn from it, then that's your mistake. That's on you. Well, so this is an interesting, this is a great conversation. Um, so my 70 yard shot on the elk, you know, without ranging it, a lot of people would look and be like, you took, that's, that may be unethical. Yeah. Uh, I disagree. Because they, <laughs> how I practice it, knowing that I gut shot that deer, my archery habits have completely changed. And leading into that hunt, I was practicing my 85 yard shots at the top of my bubble. You know, like I'm, I want to be prepared. War gaming. You ever heard of war gaming? Like the concept of, well, uh, the art of war, Sun Tzu. Yeah. The, the, you know, you got to know your moves and counter moves and, and know what's going to happen if this happens and all that. I will, I want to manifest the hunt to be a certain way. And I'm also preparing for if it goes sideways. And so <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm going to be deadly at 20. I'm going to be deadly at 30. I'm going to be deadly at the top of my bubble because if that bowl of a lifetime buck of a lifetime bear of a lifetime i mean whatever it doesn't it could be a doe the doe tag that's that's my meat that's that's feed my family and so i i owe it to myself i owe it to the animal i owe it to this universe that we live in that's all connected to do my part and so you know no, just like you know, shooting a rifle, you don't just shoot it at a hundred yards and go smoke something that 650, 850, you know, <laughs> like just start ah, you know, what is that what is that commercial? The good enough commercial. That's good enough. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen that. I don't even know what it, what it is, but the point is is like you can't do things and say, ah, oh, it's good enough. You have to master your craft and and take ownership of it. You know, you don't parent you, you don't if you are in a relationship with a girl, a wife, whatever, like, that's ah, good enough. 
<laughs> oh, my parenting for my children. That's good enough. You're evaluated by your boss at work. Hey, uh, you know, I see what you're doing. Yeah, that's good enough. <laughs> like, C's get C's may get degrees, but they don't efficiently kill animals and respect the life in which you're taking. Yeah. My problem is, is like you said, though, you try and manifest it or, or picture it going a certain way, but then also have contingencies. I pretty much just rely on my contingencies anymore because any way I picture it, it never manifests the same way I picture it in my head. It's complete opposite. The animals never come from the direction I have. I almost, at this point, just choose to be present, I think is yeah. the best way to word it. I just choose to be present and reactive. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, just, you choose to throw the punch. <laughs> That's it. I choose to throw the punch, well, whether it's reactionary every, or instinctual. I don't know. Not every hunt manifests the way I, I envision it. However, I've had some hunts where animals come exactly how I envision it in my mind. You know, dream it, <laughs> think it, speak it, manifest it, and... So my spring bear hunt of 2020, yeah, my spring bear hunt of 2020, that bear was sitting in the exact spot that I envisioned it to be in. And the only difference about how it went down is my manifestation was that I was going to shoot it with a bow and come downhill on the bear, which I could have done. The wind was perfect. It was below where I, could, I was going to come down on it. But because I hate two shot Tony, I love you, brother. Uh, but because 40 minutes prior, two shot Tony missed on a bear, I didn't want to let one get away. And so I hopped on a rifle and I shot it at 370 rather than arrowing it. Um, but that was one of those things like that worked out exactly how I envisioned it. And the elk hunt where I didn't range the elk at 70 yards, I also envisioned like, we were hunting these like lowland grass fields, pockets of grass, you know, where they're going to be feeding late season and congregating. And I was like, what if I see an elk on the other side of this field? And it's like 200 yards away. I'm not going to be able to sneak up on it on an open field with the wind and all that. And so there's a random tree. And I was like, how far is that? And I ranged it. This is 15 minutes before we spotted the elk. And that tree was at 70 yards. And so it gave me a depth perception concept of like that's what it looks like in this environment and then that's what i ended up ended up coming across a little bit later and those are the types of experiences where it's like wow <laughs> this world is amazing <laughs> like 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 uh carrie underwood jesus take the will man it's like i'm putting my hands up i'm gonna do my part but at the same time like stars align and and it takes a lot of things to fall into place for a hunt to be successful in harvesting an animal. It does that. It does. Yeah. But when it does come together, it produces yeah. one heck of a memory and an experience that nourishes you for generations to come because you're sharing that and telling yep. that story and reliving it every time you tell that story, which is yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, dude, it's it's so much fun. And you know, I'll I'll fall asleep at night like thinking about these. You know, it's like, oh my god. And this is why I love filming my hunts. 
because if I come home and tell my seven-year-old, my five-year-old the story, number one, to tell all the details of it, I lost them after a couple minutes, right? They're off doing something else. And even my wife is like, uh-huh, uh-huh, okay. But to show them, be like, no, look at this. <laughs> this is how it went down. That is where, that is where it's like, regardless of whether I'm filming for YouTube or Carbon TV or anything, I'm always going to film my hunts because that is valuable for me to, to go back and watch. I love watching my own hunts. <laughs> it's like, I don't know if musicians listen to their own music. <laughs> I, love, I love watching my own hunts. I'm like, I'm like, that is freaking awesome. That's why we have taxidermy, right? It's why I, you know, have my, my Pope and young six by six bowl mounted in on my wall because I get to look at it and relive it. And, and just like, Holy smokes, man, God is good. This world is good. And it's incredible. Like words that's speechless words do not describe how awesome it is when it all comes together. Absolutely. Johnny, I think that is a good jump off point here. Um, Cause it is absolutely wonderful when things just come together and uh, it's good catching up with you and talking to you. And uh, before we jump off, where can everybody find you watch all your cool content and uh, interact with you? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Lucas. Um, Carbon TV. It's an app. You can download it on your phone. You can go to carbontv.com. You can uh, download it on Apple TV, Roku, Fire Stick, all that. And it is free, just like a Netflix app, but it doesn't cost you a dime. You can watch all the hunting content that you want. My show is called Soul Seekers, as we believe and preach mentorship is conservation. So it's either, you know, it's an adventure of us hunting, taking new people or us learning and doing new experiences. Um, but it's fun content. Uh, we have season one. We're about to release season two, May 1st on Carbon TV. And then uh, you can follow me, Soulful Hunter Podcast, on all podcast platforms, but uh, either Soulful Hunter Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, or Washington Backcountry on Instagram, Facebook, and, and even Twitter. You know, I like, like to tweet every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> I but, got rid uh, of to toxic Twitter, as I call it, because all it did is make me angry, and then I would type things and go, I probably shouldn't have said that. So... <laughs> I like looking at pretty <laughs> pictures instead. There you go. <laughs> so um, just and then last thing is if you're looking for some different hunting content to read, you can go to uh, my website at wabackcountry.com or soulfulhunter.com. There's some hunting 101 articles and, and some interesting reads for, for all you new hunters and even veterans out there. Good stories and interviews and stuff like that. So, Lucas, thanks for having me on. Awesome, man. Thank you, Johnny. <laughs> you're stuck. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Publicly Challenged podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, please subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to. Also, if you could leave a review, that would help us out. And you can check us out on Instagram or at publiclychallenged.com. And once again, thank you so much for listening to the show.
A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'm the old there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! Oh! Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.